The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants had drawn the water. The servants who drew drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside. He pulled the, called the bridegroom aside and said, "Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now." What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs which he would reveal his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right, Sam? Let's have some fun. Well, when our firstborn son, Toby, was born, life was still easy for my wife, Steph, and me. See, Toby couldn't crawl yet. He was just a baby. And so we put him in a corner. He would just stay there like a pot plant. This is the pot plant phase of parenthood. And Steph and I were able to go out a lot. We could still do things that we normally used to do. But that all changed when Toby could crawl because he would crawl everywhere. And that all changed when Toby could walk, because he would walk everywhere. That all changed when he could run, because he would run everywhere. That all changed when he could climb, because he would climb everywhere. You see, there's a very basic principle in life. Why sit still when you can crawl? Why crawl when you can walk? Why walk when you can run? Why run when you can climb? Why climb when you can dance? And why not do all at once? Run, climb and dance. That's our three boys now, Toby, Coop, and Johnny, age seven, five, and three. See, there's a very basic principle in life. We want to have as much fun as possible. The BBC did a survey. They asked 30-year-olds who had partied hard in their 20s. They asked them, well, what is your biggest regret? And they answered they wished that they had saved up more money. And then they asked 60-year-olds who had worked hard and saved up their money. And they asked them, well, what is your biggest regret? And they said, well, they wished that they had had more fun. In other words, fun is a key part of life. When we die, we won't say, boy, I wish I had saved up more money. But we might say, I wish I had had more fun. And so the question we ask ourselves is this. Well, am I having fun along the way? Welcome again to our forum in the month of May, we're doing a four-talk series on life, where we look at the four big questions we ask about our life. Am I making a difference? Am I somebody to someone? Am I having fun along the way? And will I be remembered? 
We use these questions to measure the quality of our life. If we can say yes to these questions, we can say our life has been significant, worthwhile and of value. And in this series, we're looking at each of these questions one by one, and we're seeing what the Bible might have to say about them. So that will come in the form of a 20-minute talk, which I'm giving now, and afterwards there will be 10 minutes of question time. So this is week three and talk three. And our question is this, am I having fun along the way? Well, what does it mean to have fun? Well, I'm going to define having fun as this. Fun is doing something for pleasure, for enjoyment, for amusement. Fun is not immediately logical or purposeful. It's not work, it's not eating, it's not sleeping. Instead, fun is doing something purely for pleasure. It's fun. That's what makes fun, fun. And if we're having fun, we can say, well, our life is rich. It is flourishing. It is fulfilled. We're not just eating or sleeping. We're not just paying the bills. We're having fun. So our question this afternoon is this. Well, am I having fun along the way? And there'll be three parts to my talk. In the first part, we'll look at, well, what is fun? In the middle part of the talk, what problems we're trying to have fun and in the final part of the talk, what the Bible might have to say about how to have fun. So let's come to the first part of the talk now. What is fun? And here I've got two things to say. What is fun? Number one, fun is unnecessary, it's extravagant, and it's excessive. Last year, my family, my wife and our three boys, we went skiing. And skiing doesn't make any sense. Because when you ski, this is what happens. You catch a chairlift to go up the mountain and then you ski down the mountain. And then you catch a chairlift to go up the mountain, and then you ski down the mountain. And then you catch a chairlift to go up the mountain, and then you ski down the mountain. And sooner or later you ask the question, why are we going up the mountain? We don't go up the mountain, we don't have to come down the mountain. Even better, don't go. Stay at home in Sydney, save money and save time. And it's a hassle to go to the snow. Your car gets buried, your kids freeze. So why do we go to the snow? Because it's fun. Snow is fun. Snowball fights, snow angels, skiing. That's what makes fun, fun. It's not meant to make sense. It's unnecessary, it's extravagant, and it's excessive. We just heard a story from the Bible where Jesus performs his first miracle. And for his first miracle, he turns water into wine. And not just any wine, but really, really, really good wine. The wedding coordinator says, wow, this is good stuff. Usually by now, everyone is so drunk, they just serve the cheap stuff. But you guys have served the best stuff now. In other words, this miracle makes no sense. The wine is unnecessary, it's extravagant, and it's excessive. The cheap wine would have been enough. The guests have already had enough wine. The guests are already drunk. But here's some more wine, and here's some more good wine. But that's the point. Fun is not meant to just do the job. Fun is not meant to be utilitarian. Fun is the opposite. It serves no purpose. It produces no economic benefit. And it's not meant to make sense. It's unnecessary extravagant and excessive. So that's the first thing fun is. The second thing fun is, is this. God is fun. God himself is fun. 
wedding photos have gone through an interesting progression. 20 years ago, wedding photos were like this. They were formal. 10 years ago, wedding photos became candid. Now you get married, wedding photos are meant to be fun. And the couples agonise over the pictures. What pictures are they going to use for their wedding? What pictures are they going to use to communicate who they are to us? Because if they go formal, they're saying, hello world, we are traditional, we're boring. If they go candid, they say, hey, look, we're ordinary people just like you. If they go fun, they're saying, wow, look at us, we're wacky and zany. Well, which picture does God use for himself? This is the picture God uses. In the story, Jesus performs a miracle. A miracle is God's wedding photo of himself. In verse 11 of that reading we just heard, it says this, what Jesus did here was the first of the signs. It was the first of the miracles. It was the first of the picture language which God, which Jesus would use to reveal his glory. See, God does a miracle. A miracle is a sign. It's picture language to communicate who God is to us. So if you're God, what's your very first miracle in the New Testament going to be? Is it going to be a formal miracle? Hello world, I'm a traditional boring God. Is it going to be a candid miracle? Wow, I'm just an ordinary God like you. Or is it going to be fun? I am a wacky and zany God. Jesus goes wacky and zany. Water into wine, lots of wine, lots of good wine. In other words, Jesus shows God to be the party God, the wacky, zany party God. Now, do you know what the very first command in the Bible is? It's to have babies, lots of babies, to fill the earth. That's a lot of sex. If you're starting with no people and you've got to fill the earth with people, that's a lot of sex you've got to have. Do you know what the very first miracle in the New Testament is? It's the making of wine, good wine, lots of wine, sex and wine. This is the party God. Do you know what crime they accuse Jesus of? In the book of Luke, they accuse Jesus of being a glutton and a drunk. In other words, Jesus, you eat too much and you drink too much. In other words, this is the party God. God actually wants us to have fun. He has designed us to have fun. Now, I don't know, maybe if you're like me, you're thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know about this Jesus stuff. If I believe in Jesus, if I follow Jesus and follow this God, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on fun. The Bible and Jesus says, no, it's the opposite. By believing in Jesus, by following Jesus, you will have fun in its maximum quantities and quality. It's the opposite. By not following Jesus, by not believing Jesus, we miss out. And yes, there might be rules and all that in the Bible, but the point is, this is how we maximise fun. And by not following the rules and not doing fun God's way, we actually miss out, we might get hurt, and might lead to a life of emptiness and loneliness. God actually wants us to have fun. This is the fun God, the party God. And God uses this miracle to show he is the fun God, and he wants us to have fun. Why? Because it glorifies God when we have fun. Fun actually says something about God. It says something about what it's like to know God personally. 
And it says something about what it will be like when Jesus comes again. It will be fun. It's also how we've been programmed. I've been going on about how fun is unnecessary beyond what's required. But studies are now showing we actually need fun. Fun actually is necessary. We need fun to learn, to form memories and to be able to work properly. And maybe that's why we're so tired from work. We're not getting enough fun. And weekends have now become work. There's more traffic on a weekend in Sydney than on a weekday. So weekends aren't fun anymore either. We have, we're just rushing around to our organised activities. And maybe that's why relationships and marriages are so strained. When we were dating, we were having fun. Hey, let's go out. Let's watch a movie. Let's go bowling. Yay, yay, yay. Fun, fun, fun. And then we got married. And then it's, let's unstack the dishwasher. Let's take out the garbage. Whose turn is it to take the kids to school? It became work. We're not having fun. And we often say, oh, young people need to learn from old people when it comes to relationships. But this is where old people need to learn from young people. Have some fun in our relationships. Why? Because God is the party God and that is how he's designed us. So that's the first part of the talk. What is fun? Well, it's unnecessary. Yes, it's excessive. Yes, it's extravagant. But God has designed us to have fun and he himself is the giver of fun. Let's come to the middle part of the talk now. Well, what's the problem with trying to have fun? What's the problem trying to have fun? And here I've just got one thing to say, and the problem is this. The hedonist fallacy. What philosophers know and call the hedonist fallacy. When the iPhone came out, it was like, wow, here's a phone, but wait, it's also a computer, but wait, it's also a camera, but wait, it's also an MP3 player. Wow. So what do we use it for? We use it for games. Games, because that's how God has made us, to have fun. So we all got into Plants vs. Zombies, but we got sick of that. So then we got into Angry Birds, but we got sick of that. Then we all got into Candy Crush, but we got sick of that. See, here's the thing. We might have fun playing computer games, but that doesn't mean computer games will be fun. We might have fun going to parties, but that doesn't mean parties will be fun. We might have fun when we have sex, but that doesn't mean sex will be fun. This is what philosophers call the hedonist fallacy, the cruel irony where if we look for fun, we actually will not find it. When I was living in Chicago, my next door neighbour was on a football scholarship. In return for playing football for his college, he got free college tuition. So I said to him, wow, that must be fun to get to play all that football. And he said, well, no, now that he has to play football, it's taken the fun out of football. The football is no longer fun. And this is what philosophers call the hedonist fallacy. Fun might be the purpose of an activity, but that doesn't mean the activity itself will be fun. Because fun doesn't exist as an entity. Fun is not an object that we can find. And so if we chase fun, we actually won't find it. If we try to make fun, it won't happen. If we try to analyse fun, study it under a microscope and say, hey, 
fun is a bunch of neurochemicals going off in this part of the brain where we're only looking at the effects of fun, but not fun itself. And that's why we can't throw a bunch of people into a room and say, hey, have fun. It just won't happen. And that's why New Year's Eve is so disappointing. We know we should be having fun. It's New Year's Eve. It's just not happening. And if we chase fun, soon our lives become self-absorbed, empty, and no longer fun. It will be like playing Candy Crush over and over and over again. It stops being fun. This is the hedonist fallacy, the cruel irony, where if we look for fun, we won't find it. So how can we have fun? So let's come to the final part of the talk. What does the Bible suggest about how we can have fun? And here I've got two things to say. Number one, look to the giver of fun. Look to the giver of fun. In the movie, Emily, a boy says to the male lead, the boy says this, a fool looks at the finger that points in the sky. Notice the finger is trying to point us to something, so we should look at what the finger is pointing to, not look at the finger itself. Only a fool would do that. Well, in the story, Jesus turns water into wine. The miracle is the sign. The miracle is the pointing finger. But don't look at the sign. Don't look at the wine. Look at what the sign is pointing at. And the wine points us to Jesus. If we get fixated on the wine, we've missed the point. The wine is a sign that points us to the giver of the wine, the giver of the fun, Jesus himself. So if we get fixated on fun, we've missed the point. But when we have fun, it should point us to God, and we must think, hey, there must be a fun God who's behind this, a giver of fun. But what makes something fun? How do we have fun? But number two, fun comes from who we're with. Fun comes from who we're with. I have a friend, and she loves getting a massage. So even on a family holiday, she and the whole family will go off and get a massage. She, her brother, and the mother and father, they go, they find a place, they book themselves in, and they get a massage. And she says, it's so fun. It's so soothing. It's so relaxing. She says, you lie down and you feel their hands work their way down your back. You feel the fingers rub down your shoulders. You feel the palms ease your back muscles. And it's fun. It's soothing. It's relaxing. It's, ah. And you're feeling it right now, aren't you? Ah, that would be so fun. And she said, but imagine if you turned around and you found out who was giving you the massage and... It was your ex-boyfriend. You'd be like, oh, you tense up now. You see, you're feeling it right now. It's not fun. It's not soothing. It's not relaxing. Why? Because what makes fun fun is who we're with. If we're in a bad relationship with that person, no matter what we do, it won't be fun. But if we're in a good relationship with that person, we will be having fun. According to Sophie Scott at a TED Talk this year, she said we are 30 times more likely to laugh at something when we're with someone than when we're alone. And we're much more likely to laugh if we're with someone we like, trust 
and agree with. Last year on date night, my wife Steph and I went to Newtown and a storm opened up on us and it rained so much. The roads got flooded, the footpaths got flooded and we were walking through knee-deep water and cars were spraying us with water. We got so wet. But we had fun because we're in a good relationship with the other person. No matter what happens, it will be fun. So it's not so much what we're doing or not doing, it's who we're with at a time. What makes fun fun is who we're with. And in the story, the wine is a sign. Come to Jesus. Come to the one who gives us fun. Come and know him personally. Have a relationship with him where we trust him and we follow him and life will be fun. See, fun is not what we're doing. Fun is not what we're not doing. Fun comes from who we're with at the time. So do you remember the original question was this, am I having fun? And we've had three parts to, the, to this talk. The first part, we've looked at what is fun, and we said, yes, it's unnecessary, yes, it's extravagant, yes, it's excessive, but it's how God has made us, and God is the giver of fun, and he's the fun God. But in the middle part, we've looked at problems we're trying to find fun, and it's this, we, it's the head in this fallacy, the cruel irony that by looking for fun, we actually won't find it. And life becomes self-absorbed, empty and lonely. And in the final part, we looked at, well, how can we have fun? And the answer is this. Fun points us to the giver of fun. And what makes fun fun is who we're with. And so we should be with Jesus, know him personally, trust him, and life will be fun. I have a nice bottle of French champagne at home in my fridge. It's been there for over a year. My wife doesn't drink, and so I can't drink it alone. That would be no fun. So I'm waiting for a special moment for a special group of friends to come and I can drink the champagne with them. Because what makes fun fun is who we're with. It's not the champagne that gives us the fun. It's who we're drinking the champagne with that makes it fun. And the point of the miracle is this. God gives us wine and other things to enjoy, but the wine is to point us to God, the giver of fun. He, what makes fun fun is who we're with. And God has blessed us with life. He wants us to do more than just eat, sleep, and pay the bills. He wants us to have fun along the way. But if we just chase fun, we won't find it. But if we chase the one behind the fun, we will find it. Because in the end, fun is relational. It's not what we're doing, it's who we're with. And if we're in a loving, personal, trusting relationship with Jesus, life will be fun. Because in the end, what makes fun fun is not what we're doing, but who we're with. Question answered. But the first one with this, and it's kind of came early in the talk, so sure. maybe answer to that, maybe we're going to elaborate a little bit. Um, what would motivate me to have fun the Christian way? Mm -hmm. It seems a bit limiting. Um, can't I just have fun with the people I want to have fun with? Could you repeat the question? What would? Why would I want? To, what would motivate me to have fun the Christian way? It seems to be a bit limiting. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Go to the next question. 
This one actually came after the first section of your talk. It says, I'm mm -hmm. a single person who doesn't drink. Can I still have fun? Okay, I'm a single person who doesn't have drink, uh, who doesn't drink. Can I still have fun? Well, yes, because um, what makes fun fun again is uh, just the fact that we go. There's an excessiveness, there's an extravagance that's programmed into creation. So let me further elaborate. Uh, so God, actually, in the way He's designed us, and the way He's designed us to enjoy the world He's made for us, is to have fun. It, it is to have pleasure. It's to go above and beyond what's just necessary. So one of my favourite psalms in the Bible is Psalm 104, where it talks about the extravagance that God has programmed in his world for the way we can enjoy it. So it goes on into the, the excesses. It talks about there's not just one fish, but there are thousands of types of fish. Not just one animal, thousands of types of animals. And see, I think if I made the world, I would just make the world with one fish, one animal, one tree. That's all we need, all we need. But God says, no, I go above and beyond what's necessary. Thousands of types of fish, thousands of types of animals, thousands of types of trees. And so someone once pointed me, there's so much in creation that's just unnecessary. Like, what is the point of a hippopotamus? What is the point of a donkey? What's the point of a chihuahua? What is the point of that? And that's the point. There is no point. There's an extravagance. We're just meant to enjoy the extravagance and the luxury that God has programmed into his world. And one of the key verses in that chapter is this. It says, God has given us oil to make our faces shine. He's given us bread to fill our hearts and he's given us to fill our stomachs and wine to gladden our hearts. And what that verse is saying, God again goes above and beyond what's required. He's given us oil to make our faces shine. See, you and I should be just happy with how we look. We shouldn't say, oh boy, I'm not happy with how I look. But God says, you know what, I'm going to give you some oil to make your faces shine. Meaning cosmetics, product to put in your hair. And for Asians, that's a real blessing. Because as an Asian male, your hair just falls flat. But now a product, I get to make my hair do what I want to do. And this sort of legitimises the uh, fashion and beauty for beauty's sake. So oil to make our faces shine. So we just feel good about how we look. And then it says it gives us bread to fill our stomachs. See, just grass and protein pills should have been enough. That's all we need for nutrition. But God says, you know, I'm going to give you bread because it just feels good in your mouth. There's a mouthfeel about bread. So it's some luxury, some excess program in the way you set up this world. And the final one, wine to gladden your heart. See, water should be enough. It would have hydrated us. But God says, I'm going to give you wine because it does more than that. It dehydrates you. So now you're going to want to drink more. So I don't quite get that one. But it gladdens your heart. So there's a joy in his program, in his creation. So I think there's this outlook that we have in life that, hey, this is how I'm designed. This is how God has designed the world. He actually wants us to have enjoyment, just for enjoyment's sake. So, of course, it doesn't have to be just marriage. It doesn't just have to be wine. But it's just endemic, intrinsic to his creation. There's an excess where everything goes above and beyond what's necessary. We go beyond survival, in other words. Sure. Okay. okay Poor um, things. Sure. How can we have fun when there are so many things God says we can't do? How can we have fun when there's so many things that God says we can't do? So it's almost like God is trying to limit our fun. But as I argued early, God has made this world. So he understands how it works. He's made us. He understands how we work. So he gives us some very basic principles, designs, uh, uh, principles and, and, and laws 
to explain how to maximise fund. And by not following those principles and laws, that's how we minimise fund. We actually get hurt and we miss out. But by following these rules, we actually maximise fund because we live the way God intends us to live. Uh, so, you know, when we watch a movie, a movie is fun. That's why we go. It's fun. But there's some very basic principles that we have to follow to make a movie fun. We have to make sure we don't talk during the movie. We don't give away the ending. We already know the ending. And we've got to turn our mobile phones off. By following those basic principles, we actually don't minimise fun. We maximise the fun in a movie. Also, last year, I bought myself a Jeep Wrangler, a four-wheel drive. Now, that's purely for fun. That's not getting me from point A to point B. Now, driving is an adventure. It's fun. I'm just glad I get to the other place. So, it's an adventure. But I, I YouTubed Jeep fail. And there are a lot of bad things that can happen when you're off-roading a Jeep, like rolling over and things like that. So, I thought, wow, okay, this is... This can actually go horribly wrong. This might not be fun. So I signed myself up to a four-wheel drive course where I learned some basic principles and laws of four-wheel driving so I could maximise fun and not get hurt and, and minimise the fun. So I guess God gives us laws to maximise fun rather than minimise fun. All right. Um, next question. If God is a fun God, where does the formal and traditional pictures of God come from? Are they just modern media distortions? Okay, where do the formal and traditional pictures of God come from? Are they media distortions. Well, I guess a personality is a complex thing. So we all like to think we're fun people and I would love and I would wish my boys think I'm a fun father, that one day they're going to be embarrassed by me and shamed by me. But for maybe for a brief window in my fatherhood, they would think I'm a fun father. But at the same time, there's a time and place for everything. So sometimes I have to be quite formal with them. So it's a bit of that. So there's a complex part of God. There is a time to be traditional, a time to be um, uh, formal, but also time to be fun. But I'll just add here, maybe, maybe a lot of this is cultural. So maybe the person asking the question is right. Fun is a very cultural thing. Asians have a de their own way of having fun. Americans have their way of having fun. What's fun for Americans is not fun for an Asian and vice versa. So fun is a very cultural thing. And, and what is fun? Well, Aristotle has his bell curve and his golden mean. You know, you go too far this way, that's not fun. You know, excess is not fun. But not enough is not fun. So there's a golden mean when if you get it just right, that is fun. And, and different cultures have different places of putting that, that golden mean. Now, there's some cultures which, which they think if you're real, if you're authentic, you're meant to under-express yourself. So the English culture is like that, the Japanese culture is like that, the Chinese culture is like that. Um, and, so, and maybe traditional Australia is like that. So we think we have to under-express but there are other cultures where, to be authentic, to be real, you over-express. And you're thinking, okay, Africa's like that, the Middle East is like that, Latin America's like that, and many parts of Asia are like that. And maybe culturally you think, oh, if I want to keep it real in my relationship with God, I need to be much more reserved. But it seems like the Bible says, no, 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 no. The Bible risks. It says, no, no, be excessive. Like, be enthusiastic. Uh, it, it's okay. It's okay. Um, God... Actually, is extravagant. He is excessive. Yes. All right. Well, this actually, I don't know if this kind of comes along from that. Same sure. Thing. But um, so, why don't his followers, God's followers, mm -hmm. seem to get this message? Christians seem to be down on the plane. So, why don't Christians understand this message that God is fun? Because if you go to many churches, boy, church is not fun. It's very traditional, very dry, very boring. And many Christians themselves portray themselves as dry, boring, fun. I think, okay, some of it might be the cultural way we've been brought up. But also, even Christians find it hard to really, really believe that the good news in the Bible is true, that everything from God is free. 
Forgiveness is free. Eternal life is free. A relationship with God is free. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to bring anything. We don't have to earn anything. God gives it to us free. We just need to ask for it. And this takes a while to get used to. So when I first got married, every time we got invited to some person's place for dinner, my wife was always saying, we need to bring something. I said, we don't have to bring anything. They've invited us. It's a gift. They just want us to be there. We're the gift. It's a free dinner. My wife said, no, we need to bring something. And I, it told me, and, and see, even in our culture, we hard, find it hard to believe something can actually be free. We always think we have to bring something. And so the default way we drift as human beings and even as Christians, we drift towards a position called legalism, where we think it can't be free. There must be a rule I have to obey there must be something I'm meant to be doing. And if I'm having fun, I must be breaking a rule. There must be something wrong. And the Bible saying, no, 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 it really is free. Uh, you don't have to follow any rules. It's a gift from God. And even when you know God, it's fun. I might just add something to that. Even, it's even, as I said, when God made us uh, in creation, there's an extravagance. He goes above and beyond to require oil, bread, wine, and thousands of types of fish rather than just one type of fish. And we see that in salvation as well. God says, I'm going to go over and above and beyond what's required. So to be saved by God, we need forgiveness of sins. He wipes our sins away. And the, God says, yeah, I'll do that. That's the basic necessity. No problem. I'll do that. And then to be saved, we think, well, okay, we need eternal life. And God says, yeah, of course I'll throw in eternal life, life forever with me in quality and quantity. We think, okay, wow, okay, that's not bad. But God says, I'm going to go over and above and beyond what's required. I'm going to give you a loving, warm, personal relationship with me where you get to know me, not just as God, not just as creator, not just as king, not just as judge, but friend, brother, uh, life partner, and even father. I will be the father you wish for, the father you never had, and you'll be one of my special children. So God goes over and above what's required. And even as Christians, I think we find it hard to eat to that idea. Well, it's not just that my sins are forgiven, not just that I have eternal life, but I have a loving, warm, personal relationship with a fun God. Sure. Yeah. How do you explain fun to someone who's constantly suffering? How do you explain fun to someone who's constantly suffering? So many levels. So on one level, I define fun as going over and above what is required. But for many people, suffering, they're just in survival mode. They're just in survival mode. So yes, fun will be hard to have because we're just in survival mode. When we're out of survival mode, like we have all the basic necessities of life, that's when we can have fun. It's extravagance over and above what's required. But when we're in survival mode, yes, it will be hard to have fun. Um, and also the Bible says there is a time and place for everything. There is a time for having fun, but maybe there's a time you know, for mourning. The Bible says there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. So we just got to know the seasons in our life. So often when we're suffering, it, is, it will be more appropriate to just you know, suffer, to grieve properly and appropriately. But at an ultimate level, again, it's, fun comes from the relationship. So it's a framework. It's a new worldview. It's a new story that we have. And so, okay, I'm suffering. I don't want to minimise the reality of how much I'm hurting and I have a need to grieve. But at the same time, I have a God who loves me and I have fun God. So again, it's not so much um, what we're doing, what we're not doing, not what's happening to us, what's not happening to us. It's just who we're with at the time, and that's what makes life fun. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, 
or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.